I'm here with Megan Brock at Moms for Liberty, and it was great to run into my Twitter friend. How's the conference so? How's the conference so far? It's awesome. Lots of great people. Lots of great moms. Lots of normal people. It's great. Yeah. Lots of normal people. Signal is a podcast by the Bucks County Beacon. I'm your host and the Beacon's editor-in-chief, Cyril McLeico. Twice a month, we'll use this space to shine a light on the right-wing extremist currents streaming through Bucks County and beyond. We'll talk to guests who will help listeners navigate these perilous political waters by providing insight, analysis, and organizing solutions so that we can steer the community toward calmer, saner, progressive routes. That was Bucks County Moms for Liberty member and Northampton Township GOP committee member Megan Brock celebrating the so-called normalcy of those at the Moms for Liberty Summit that just passed in Philadelphia. So what is the new normal for Brock and the Moms for Liberty clan that she's part of? Today we welcome on the first half of the show Olivia Little, a writer and researcher with Media Matters. And in the second half, we are joined by Diana Legerman, a writer, teacher, and Central Bucks School District mom who refuses to co-parent with Moms for Liberty. Hi, Olivia. Welcome to The Signal. Hey, Cyril. Thanks for having me. Olivia, you just heard that clip. Moms for Liberty believes they're the normal, or they personify what's normal in the United States. You are at the summit in Philadelphia, undercover, listening to various speakers and Moms for Liberty ground troops in the audience. You wrote about some of what you experienced last week in a great piece from Media Matters called Inside Moms for Liberty Summit, Big Money and Even Bigger Conspiracy Theories, noting that this group was manufacturing terror to mobilize parents and take over your kid's school. Can you take listeners inside the summit and tell us us about some of the most remarkable conspiracies and fear-mongering that you heard? Yeah, of course. So first of all, there's nothing normal about the summit. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, I attended a number of sessions, breakout sessions that were closed to the media. um, And we quickly found out why they were closed to media, uh, uh, people from the media. And it's because of how just absurd um, the presentations were. So this was everything from um, claiming that Bill Gates is trying to steal your children's data for some sort of like but uh, for some sort of like manipulation, uh, world domination uh, goal to uh, saying that like Marxists and globalists are the ones behind different curriculum in public education. So, yeah. So what we saw overall was just this effort by Moms for Liberty speakers to create and craft a sort of like amorphous evil force that's trying to corrupt children in America. And it just so happens to be located in public schools near you. Um, and, you know, they, they sort of like adopt this technique because they're able to turn, you know, when, when you create a sort of amorphous villain, you're able to turn it into whatever you want, right? And make it work for you. And yeah, to, yeah making it sort of ambiguous allows them to apply it everywhere. And that's something that nearly every breakout speaker that I watched did. Right. So that's everything from I went to a session about legal challenges um, with Kim Herman and, you know, which was supposed to be about you know teaching parents how to advocate for their like legal rights, teaching them what they are. But she started the session off talking about how, 
you know, there's there are these people running schools, whether they're, you know, the school administrators or teachers unions, and they're trying to like, quote unquote, destroy America, or like, quote unquote, get rid of our constitution, um, somehow through critical race theory. Uh, you know, another one I went to, which I thought was particularly unsettling was uh, a session about social emotional learning, which if you don't know what that is, it's basically about like, it's basically teaching students tools to help them make just like healthy choices, manage emotions, like nothing, uh, nothing malicious. <laughs> um, but she's a homeschool consultant and she spent probably an hour and a half speaking about um, how Marxist and globalists are the ones pushing this. It's, so social emotional learning, the abbreviation is SEL. Um, and so how Marxists and globalists are the ones pushing um, SEL in schools and how it's being used to create a sort of inappropriate bond be between teachers and students. And like, yeah, yeah, again, like Marxist globalist, she's the one who gave the Bill Gates conspiracy theory. She talked about microchips um, and so on. Uh, but yeah, so overall, it's like, you know, you go to these sessions and they're they're sort of combining different conspiracy theories and I think it's sort of like trying to knock out like four board four birds with one stone so they're going in with like comprehensive sexual education critical race theory social emotional learning and like gender ideology and saying that they're all connected and you know saying at the center of it is either like the CDC or like a UN initiative yeah so it just like you know, we the conspiracy theories, while they were different, they all tried to connect them, right? Uh, and connect them to this, again, like ambiguous evil force that's trying to, you know, uh, groom your children or corrupt your children. Um, but that, again, nearly every session involved um, that faceless enemy <laughs> that they created and just to like, to terrify parents. Sure. And, and, and that, that's not a new tactic. And, you know, that there's a history of that kind of conspiratorial thinking in the United States, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and it, it dates back, you know, at least to like the Cold War and the Red Scare and with the John Birch Society, if not even before that, with the, like the Ku Klux Klan's um, opposition to public education. But it, it's no like um, accident that the, the, the enemy that they've targeted on is public schools, right? Because of the, a lot of the people actually, you know, funding Moms for Liberty are folks like Morton Blackwell's Leadership Institute, the Heritage Foundation, you know, and the GOP in general, as well as other dark money actors who have been on a decades long crusade to destroy public education and replace it with, you know, private charter schools, uh, Christian schools, etc. Olivia, did, did anything at the summit surprise you? I, I know you've been covering, you know, Moms for Liberty for the last two years, but did any, you know, were you taken aback by anything? Was, was anything extraordinarily kind of um, just off the wall that you heard? Right. So I think at this point, there's very little that surprises me about Moms for Liberty, but I do think that they're doubling down on the uncritical use of the Hitler quote, the Hitler quote that was incorporated on the front of an Indiana chapters or Indiana Moms for Liberty chapters newsletter, them like doubling down instead of just apologizing was almost astounding, um, you know, because they publicly released, I think it was the Moms for Liberty Twitter account. Um, and then the, the Indiana chapter released an apology saying, you know, we shouldn't have uncritically incorporated this. But at the summit, there was this um, energy of just like 
it, they were unapologetic, if not like em- embracing it um, and standing with, you know, the use of that quote, as well as the mom who, you know, put together the newsletter, which I thought was surprising, quite frankly. Yeah. And, and, and Christian Ziegler um, actually gave one of the sessions about how to interact with the media. And, you know, he instructed mm-hmm. people like never apologize. It shows weakness. Um, so, you know, that's not, um, you know, after hearing that, that's definitely not surprising. But one session in particular uh, of particular interest for listeners in Bucks County um, was the one run by Vermilion Education founder Jordan Adams. It was entitled The First Hundred Days, Getting Flipped School Boards to Take Action. The Hillsdale College grad with zero education degrees, zero experience writing public curriculum, and whose education consultancy company is officially just over four months old, found his first and only client locally in Penridge School District, where he was awarded a contract that's um, you know essentially open-ended at $125 an hour to more or less audit the curriculum and provide recommendations to actual professional educators. So, you know, it should be noted that there's a Moms for Liberty, there's Moms for Liberty members on that school board, and that's not a coincidence. So I know you sat in on that session. Could you detail what he was preaching in the session and what you heard some of the audience members contribute? Yeah. So the session was directed to school districts that were Moms for Liberty chapters that have successfully flipped school districts. So school districts where they now hold the majority, right? And it was essentially a how-to presentation on destabilizing the school district and pushing through Moms for Liberty policy priorities in the fastest way possible. So he broke it down into uh, four months, right? January, February, March, April. It's called the first 100 days. And he went step by step on how to sort of um, like what what your school board members should be doing to get you to to be able to efficiently pass these policies um, that Moms for Liberty is advocating for um, without having to face backlash, like without having to actually address your opposition. Um, And his strategy for that was basically bombarding the district with an array of like demands and changes so that they can't keep up, right? It was throw as much as you can at the school district at once so that like you do not have to actually like deal with the consequences of your actions or deal with any sort of pushback because they're going to be so overwhelmed. Um, They're going to be so overwhelmed with the amount of information they have to give to you and the amount of information that you're requesting and changes that there's just not going to be time for them to like uh, effectively stop you. And he also, you know, he spent time talking about uh, essentially like making teachers and administrators fear for their jobs, right? Putting them on on notice was like the word he used. And, um, And that is like, essentially like putting uh, job advertisements up to, uh, job advertisements up for teaching positions early on. Um, and then he also said that like, you need to include your new board's values in these advertisements so that you're only hiring staff who agrees with, essentially agrees with Moms for Liberty, right? Agrees with their um, stances on critical race theory, on like gender ideology, on um, on anything like that, so that you can like keep push like so now that you know if you pass these policies they'll actually be enforced because you're only hiring staff that believes in the same thing that like your that your new board does um, yeah so only hiring staff that aligns with these new values um, and I thought one particular part of the presentation was interesting which was 
he he instructed the you know us the the members attending um, to be very proactive with PR and social media messaging um, just to get on top of any sort of backlash that might happen, right? So knowing that this is these like measures are controversial, um, he you know told them to like get a head start on it, right? Like don't. Like you should be on top of it and be on top of the messaging around these new um, policies that you're pushing through so that like uh, you're able to effectively like counter any sort of um, pushback. Did did he give an example of how to frame this? Um, Yeah, I believe he did. He gave us. um, Yeah. So there there were like six different key messaging uh, techniques that he gave us. One was like, you know, we're fulfilling promises on the campaign. Two, like to keep citing election results that like we overwhelmingly won. Three, that this is truly like self-government and it's for the public. Four, that the school district would be ideology free. Five, that quality matters and that's what they're pursuing. Um, And six, the stakes are too high to to not, um, you know, sort of enact these policies. Stakes are too high in terms of like child education outcomes and the safety of children. Sure. And, you know, he, he's a perfect example of like Moms for Liberty actually hiring someone, you know, within their circle, regardless of whether they have experience or not. And, you know, Tiffany Justice actually told Steve Bannon, I believe it was last year on his podcast, The War Room, she said, once we replace the school boards, what we need to do is we need to have search firms that are conservative search firms that help us to find new educational leaders. And unfortunately, in, in in Penridge School District, you know, we're seeing a lot of teachers leave. Um, part of it is because it's one of the lowest paying districts um, in Bucks County and, and Pennsylvania. But I think another reason why is because of the writings on the wall with this new school board, this new Moms for Liberty driven school board, um, that is putting them on notice. And so there's like 17 high school teachers they need to hire, 11 elementary level school teachers that they're going to need to hire. And I think folks in Bucks County are going to be really, you know, vigilant and, and watching to see what happens and to see if we're getting an influx of maybe Hillsdale grads or, you know, Liberty University grads, etc. So like I've said before, you know, you've been covering this group for the last two years pretty extensively. Um, how has the group evolved? How's Moms for Liberty evolved, you know, since 2021 with regards to their targets, tactics and strategy? Yeah, so I think for one, it's just like the group itself is a lot larger and more stable than they were to begin with, right? Because they came from essentially like nothing. <laughs> they, they had a very small presence for, for a number of months when they first started. Um, and then with the help of right-wing media and uh, different right-wing politicians, they were able to expand and sort of recruit around the country, um, which is another part of it. You know, they become these right-wing media sweethearts, which has allowed them to recruit in ways that they wouldn't have been able to do on their own or recruit in ways that isn't necessarily compatible with a grassroots movement, right? When you have Steve Bannon telling his viewers like how to join Moms for Liberty um, and encouraging them to like register and like join the cause, um, that that's just like a different level um, of influence that, you know, two moms from Florida, two school, two former school board members from Florida, like wouldn't have, you know, on their own. Yeah, but they've also become regulars on like Fox News and an array of other like right wing networks and shows. I mean, Steve Bannon's daughter was even at the summit uh, in the press area 
Um, and, you know, Mobs for Liberty has really expanded their partnerships with groups like the Leadership Institute, which we talked about a second ago, um, and the Heritage Foundation. And I think the Leadership Institute partnership is particularly interesting um, because, I mean, for one, Bridget Ziegler is the head of their school board program. And what they're doing across the country right now, or what we've been seeing, is creating these like school board training programs um, led by the Leadership Institute to essentially teach members how to run for school board, right? Um, or teaching them strategies about how to run for school board, uh, which is something that didn't exist when they first started. Um, and clearly, you know, a Moms for Liberty initiative, or at least like collaboration with the Leadership Institute to create this program. Um, the group has also like shifted their priorities from COVID mitigation policies to an array of like anti-CRT, anti-LGBT priorities. Um, because what they did to begin with was they went all in on sort of um, harnessing this COVID era parental frustration. And then the second that that became irrelevant, they shifted and went all in on anti-CRT, anti-LGBTQ uh, policies. Um, and they've really just like, they've, they've gone from there and sort of left, you know, anti-masking <laughs> behind because it's not as relevant anymore. But they, you know, they were able to build that base base by casting such a wide net with COVID mitigation, like frustrations um, that, you know, they have a really solid base now because of that. And I think they're also, you know, they're sort of embracing right-wing extremism in a way that they at least used to try to hide. Like they used to have some shame about it or would do it covertly, but now um, it's just like mask off entirely, especially if you look at, you know, not just their speakers from the summit, but the, the speakers that they're hosting around the country. Like uh, Lara Logan spoke at one of the, uh, one of the county, like in a, for a county event for a Moms for Liberty chapter um, and spent 45 minutes talking about everything from microchips to how the Las Vegas shooting was a false flag, right? And that's a Moms for Liberty event <laughs> that's, that was then put online, right? So they're not trying to hide it at this point. And it's very clear from, you know, whatever guest appearances they have around the country to their like summit lineup that this is just something that is inherent like within the organization like this sort of right wing extremism absolutely and like you mentioned they are embracing their their moms for liberty's big tent includes everyone from like proud boys um, to christian nationalists like david barton who was at the summit to three percent three percenters and other militia um, groups you know as well as the media matters kind of raised the alarm about one of their speakers uh, chris chris ann hall you know who back in 2014 declared that i'm an oath keeper um, and has who's spoken to extremist groups such as the racist neo-confederate league of the south amon bundy's uh, people's rights org uh, various constitutional sheriff uh, groups and other extremists but olivia you know, one of the, you know, missions of, or goals of Media Matters is to kind of like critique the media, right? And how they're covering groups like Moms for Liberty. You know, in, in your first piece, you were critical of how the Washington Post um, was covering the group. And in that piece, uh, which is called Unmasking Moms for Liberty, and we'll link to it in the show notes, you wrote, without the spotlight of responsible media, Moms for Liberty will continue to brand itself as ordinary moms banding together to fight for parental liberties when it's clear that powerful people and institutions on the right are actually pulling the strings. 
has the media gotten any better with its coverage or is it fa- or is it falling into the trap of normalizing the group by not highlighting its more extremist positions and uncritically regurgitating the kind of folksy we're just normal moms origin story that they like to tell while glossing over its ties to you know right-wing foundations political actors and money Right. So I think that there are obviously some responsible reporters and outlets covering them. But overall, mainstream media has been duped by the group. You know, they're essentially taking their word as fact instead of doing their research, questioning them, pushing back in any sort of way. And the thing is, we know Moms for Liberty constantly lies. Like they're lying about their finances. They're lying about their connections. um, They're even lying about membership numbers. I know that they count Facebook members and their like membership number. They mentioned that in an early Washington Post article. Um, So just like trying to make themselves seem bigger and more like infallible than they actually are. But no, they've really fallen. Mainstream media overall has really fallen into the trap of letting them brand themselves as just moms or concerned moms. And I don't know if it's because they're afraid that if they, you know, are critical of them, then they'll be accused of being mom haters because that's, you know, the sort of talking point that they always push back with. Like, why do you hate moms? Why do you hate uh, moms who care about parental rights? Um, And it just, that's not the case. So, but yeah, no, they've let them get away with so much, but I think at this point, they're realizing their mistakes. Right. Because it just their extremism, like far right extremism and just like connections to these right wing organizations that have been trying to gut public ed for years. It's undeniable. Right. And it's unavoidable when you're doing this sort of reporting. But I do think that mainstream media, for the most part, is is a key reason why they've been able to grow and get to the point that they are like now or why they they've they've helped to. um yeah, give them some sort of legitimacy that they've really like needed <laughs> to keep to keep uh, growing. Uh, and yeah, I think mainstream media is definitely responsible um, for legitimizing them for years, right? Sure. And unfortunately, you know, because like local media continues to be gutted and has been for like the last two decades, you're not getting the kind of like robust and critical reporting locally that I think is like so important, um, you know, to inform voters, right, about who these extremists are, the fact that they are liars, right? And they'll say anything to kind of achieve their goals and to get power. Um, before we say goodbye, Olivia, you said that you're going to, you're going to be working on some uh, new articles based on your reporting and, and research from the summit. Can you kind of give listeners a hint of what might be coming up? Well, just, there's more. There's more to come <laughs> regarding the summit and just regarding Moms for Liberty in general. Um, we've kept a close eye on them for years and are going to continue to do the same. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll be looking for your work online and obviously sharing it with our re- listeners and readers. Olivia, thanks again. Thanks for the work that you did, um, you know, over the weekend uh, at the Moms for Liberty Summit. And thanks for your kind of tireless reporting and writing about this group and kind of shining a light on their extremism. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Help support this podcast from the Bucks County Beacon, who Moms for Liberty calls opposition media. You can do so by going to buckscountybeacon.com and by clicking on support the beacon. And check out all of our great work and reporting at buckscountybeacon.com.
Hi, Diana. Welcome to The Signal. Hi, thanks for having me. Diana, we just heard from Media Matters' Olivia Little, who gave us an inside view of the Moms for Liberty Summit that just passed and took the mom mask off all the extremism, the conspiracies, and the hate that filled the Marriott in downtown Philly for four days. Now, you were on the outside, though, protesting and speaking out in front of the Philadelphia Free Library as part of a rally organized by Indivisible Philadelphia. Can you tell us about the event, mainly why you were there, what you told people, and why that location was chosen? Sure. Um, I was invited to speak at the Indivisible Philly rally in front of the library. It was me and another parent in the district. Um, We were basically invited to talk about what's been going on in Central Bucks in terms of Moms for Liberty specifically. But the event was really lovely. I mean, there I think it was maybe like 100 people or so that showed up. Um, People came. And the reason we were at the library for that particular event was because we were protesting the book bans that Moms for Liberty have initiated all across the country. So, um, you know, people showed up with signs of books that have been banned or challenged in, you know, across the country. And I was there to speak about what Moms for Liberty um, members and their supporters have done specifically in Central Box. So why are you and a growing number of other Central Bucks school district parents, as well as parents just all across Bucks County, um, organizing and mobilizing to, cl- to declare that you don't co-parent with Moms for Liberty? Can you sum up why you're both intellectually and morally opposed to this group? Yes. Well, (laughs) intellectually, mainly because A, well, not mainly, but I would say A, I'm a teacher and a parent and someone who values lifelong learning and literature and knows how important literature is to teach kids not only about what they don't know, but about other people and the other experiences that people live. You know, it's very easy for um, us here in suburbia to get used to what we see every day and think that that's how the rest of the world is. But it's not. The, the, the rest of the world is not like this. Like when I went to, um, when I graduated, I actually am from the area. I graduated from, well, I went to high school in the area. I graduated from CB East and you know, going away to college is definitely a different experience than you have here when you just kind of, you know, live in this in this world. Um, I obviously had a little bit more of experience because I'm an immigrant and I grew up in the Northeast mainly. So I definitely was around a much more diverse population. But if I had spent my entire life here in Central Bucks, it would definitely be a little more difficult uh, branching out into the world and not knowing that like, oh my God, there are other people who have different experiences than I do. Um, so, you know, intellectually, it's important for us to make sure that we expose our children and our students to all people in the world and and make sure that we're all growing up to understand that like people are different and um, just because they're different, that doesn't mean any that they're any less or more or anything, right? Where we all have different experiences. And so the idea of someone saying certain books should not be read by all of our kids based on their own very narrow worldview is ludicrous and and wrong, really, frankly, on, on an intellectual level. On a moral level, you know, a lot of this is coming from a religious agenda that is something mo- many people don't live by or abide 
too. And so it's interesting to me, well, it's Trump, it's concerning to me that, you know, some people believe that their view, their moral view is the only right moral view. And that is obviously not true. Most people will tell you that that's not true. And so when you have Moms for Liberty saying like they, what they think is right, is right. And that's how everyone should think. That's obviously wrong. And we would be doing our students and our children a disservice if we said, yeah, you're right. Your view is the only right view. And let's just, you know, be okay with that. So that's kind of, I hope that answers your question. Oh, absolutely. And, and you've been following and writing about and organizing against the group, uh, you know, since its inception locally in Bucks County, the Bucks County chapter, um, yes. the two most recent leaders uh, of the chapter, Jamie Tromba and Trisha Dobler, um, you know, told Face the Culture podcast, um, which kind of speaks to the, you know, religiosity of, of this movement that, and I quote, we're definitely in a battle of good and evil at this point. That's how they're framing their uh, school board activism. And also told the pod, this podcast um, that public schools are, quote, now making it where pedophilia is okay. That's what they're doing. They're inviting it into their schools. Can you tell us about some of the main players besides these two leaders, um, one of whom, Dobler, allegedly is no no longer part of the group, although she was at the summit, and, and that might just be for optics because, and correct me if I'm wrong, apparently she's running uh, Arthur Martino's campaign for Central Bucks School Board. You know, I don't know that for sure. I know that she's hosted many events and has been promoting her, um, and she, you know, wears her shirt across, you know, Trish Dobler, I mean, wears Arthie's shirt. Um, and so it, it was my understanding that Trish Dobler was in some way very closely involved with the Arthie Martino campaign. Yes. Okay. Uh, but, you know, in the end, it's funny because a lot of these Moms for Liberty now are now kind of saying they're not Moms for Liberty, right, you know, even right. though they're still kind of pushing this agenda, actually going, you know, to the summit Etc. But you know, it's it's not just those two. There's a lot of you know other actors um, in this group that have been kind of sowing chaos. Oh, yeah. um, and and can you just kind of like tell us a, a little bit about who some of these folks are and what they've done to divide the community and make Central Buck School District schools less inclusive and more intolerant? I mean, honestly, yes. I, I mean, it's the same people that were coming out against masks, you know, in 2020 and 2021. Um, this reopened Bucks crew um, that has been coming to school board meetings, yelling at school board directors, you know, saying that they're child abusers because they wanted to protect our students from COVID and protect teachers and staff um, by, you know, having them wear masks, as was dictated by the state. Um and so it's literally the same exact people who started against masks and now they've moved on to books and pride flags and really anything they disagree with at this point. You know, they, 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 they see sexuality in everything, which is, which is actually disturbing to me that they pay so much attention to, to that. Everything is sexual to them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the same people like Trish Dobler and, and her friends who are running that pack right now, the Protect Bucks pack. I find that um, 
title very ironic because all they're doing is sowing division and not protecting anything. Um, but also who put them in charge of protecting anything or anyone, you know, we, nobody appointed them to be the Bucks leaders here. Bucks County is a pretty decently sized um, county. What they mean is they're quote, protecting central Bucks and Penridge. They're really just concentrating on those two. But um, it's funny that they say Bucks as a whole, because I'm pretty sure there are plenty of people who would not um, be interested in, in their quote protection. But it's the same people, you know, who are working on this pack. The Hogan's obviously have been very much involved in all of this. Um, Josh Hogan is currently running for Penridge School Board. He is the one that, you know, said they want a clean, normative, righteous Bucks County or something like that, yeah. um, which is, oh, my gosh, those words are disturbing. Um but yeah, it's the same people, same people who fought against masks are, you know, going after teachers first about COVID. Now they're going after them about books and curriculum and whatever else. Yeah, and, and accusing them of kind of being groomers that kind of, oh, yeah, it's disgusting. Kind of ties into that whole kind of like pedophilia, conspiracy, hysteria that the group's leaders have been promoting. Yes. Um, you know, even, you know, one one of the main actors speaking at a Central Bucks school board meeting suggesting that the bluest eye which is you know a, a book um that covers like tough subject matter right. about sexual abuse but somehow that was sexualizing children like you know this writer Alice, um talking you know writing about this and somehow they equate that with sexualization of children and um you know and grooming and you know it you know, obviously, not all books are for everyone. But like, some of these books are obviously like over the head of some of these parents that are actually like speaking out against it, because obviously, they're missing the point of the whole book, if they even read it, right? We haven't read it. <laughs> That's the thing, they're not even reading these books. And you know what, if you pull pieces of books out and read them out of context, I'm willing to bet, I mean, I've taught English literature for 10 years. I'm willing to bet now, like when I even think about all the books that we've taught that are in the curriculum, right? They're not just random books that I'm pulling into the classroom. If you pull certain passages out without any context, you would think like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. That is so sexy. Like, why are we having our kids read it? But like, like in 1984, there's a, there's a book that is, gets quoted both by the right and the left, you know, um, ironically, because, you know, <laughs> Orwell was a socialist, but, um, you know, uh, it gets quoted a lot, but there's like a sex scene in there, you know, when, and if you read it outside of the context of the entire novel, you would be like, oh my gosh, this is too much, right, for kids. Um, and you can do that with any book, mostly that we're teaching, you know. So, you know, when they when they when they pull passages out and say, well, this is it, they're they're doing it for shock value. They don't even realize that they themselves have been groomed to do this, you know, on a national by by these key players on a national level. Um, the fact that they see sexualization in everything says a lot more about them than it says about any of the books or any of our students or any of our teachers. They are obsessed with this topic. It's concerning because they've never once prior to this cultural war that they brought probably ever did anything to about actual grooming and about actual child abuse, you know. 
you know, I'm pretty sure they weren't protesting churches when, when, you know, the, the abuse was happening there. So it's this culture war is truly just that. It has nothing to do with real issues or real problems that our kids and our students are facing, because if it did, they we would know that, right? They, they would talk about mental health and they would talk about staff leaving. They would talk about how many teachers we've lost that are amazing, right? Like they would be talking about even learning loss that they pretend to care about. They haven't done anything about. So this Moms for Liberty rhetoric is truly just for politics. That's all it's for. And, you know, I think it just should just be noted and we should remind listeners, um, you know, that sitting school board president, Dana Hunter, who's part of Paul Martino's, you know, bankrolled slate of candidates along with his wife. Um, she, as sitting school board president, she helped empower this cherry picking of passages as a, as a preclude to potential book banning by secretly bringing in the Independence Law Center, which is the legal arm of this far-right Christian nationalist PA Family Institute, who she tasked with drafting administrative regulations uh, for 109.2 about book challenges, which took out a passage that says that you should be looking at the whole book, right. the whole, you know the the quality of the of the entire you know piece of literature. And, and the value of that rather than, rather than just honing in on, you know, one single passage and using that as like the end all be all of whether or not this book should be removed from the library or not. You know, and she and Reuters reported that she admitted that she did that in, in secret. Right. She didn't think it was it, it was, um, you know, incumbent upon her to be transparent with, you know, parents and teachers and librarians and students and taxpayers. Um, and I think this is, you know, this is what the community is up against. It's against this Moms for Liberty type candidates and Moms for Liberty type school board members like Dana Hunter, like Lisa Sissio, um, like Deborah Cannon, who will do anything to push their far right and at times Christian nationalist agenda, which actually is working to undermine public education and make students less safe, especially if you're a student who is part of the LGBTQ community or a student of color. To wrap this up, can you give people advice locally about how to get involved in this fight to keep books on library shelves, to keep LGBTQ and students of color feeling safe and represented and, and represented and to keep Moms for Liberty extremists off school boards. What can they do? Where can they go? Um, is there any place they can donate to? Um, so I think I want to make a note that, you know, first, if this these policies don't just affect our marginalized students, even though they do very much so, right? They definitely affect our LGBTQ students, our, our you know, students of color, like all of our students. But it, they really affect all of our students because when you take away books, then it does that's a disservice to all students. When you make classrooms, um, when you sterilize the classrooms, you know you make them not very warm. That hurts all of our students. When you stifle conversations and debate and any type of critical thinking in the classroom, that hurts all of our students. So 
you know, and, you know, we can go down the path of Penridge and also start hiring people to be consultants on the curriculum. And those people have, they don't know anything about education. So this ultimately hurts every single student in our district and essentially, uh, you know, community members in our district as well. So that's, that's one of the things I wanted to say, that it's not just a certain subset of students. What I also want to say is how to get involved. Well, you know, not all is lost. And, uh, you know, we're working really hard to flip the board. We have um, five great candidates. Um, they all have their own packs, so you can donate directly to their packs. Um, and their names, are, uh, am I allowed to talk about, like, what their names are? Okay, so it's Heather Reynolds, Karen Smith, Susan Gibson, Rick Herring, and uh, Dana Foley. Foley, important. We do. There are two Danas. Dana Foley is the one that's running against uh, or in Region 3. So um, those are the candidates. They have their own PACs. You could donate directly to them. Uh, we, there's also a PAC called uh, CBSZ Neighbors United. That's an overall PAC that just um, if you don't have a candidate running in your region, you can donate directly to that PAC. Um, and another way to get involved, and so you can donate, you can volunteer, you can knock doors, knocking doors is incredibly important. Not a lot of people want to do it, but it's the, one of the most important things you can do. Um, there's also another way to get involved. There's an organization, they're, um, nonpartisan, they're called AFI, um, or Advocates for Inclusive Education, and they do a lot of education stuff. So they will, they talk about policies, they talk about, um, the books that are being challenged and or banned. They have book clubs, they have events, and they're really just here to educate the community about what's going on in the district. They're not political. Um, they're not endorsing candidates. So they're also great. And you can definitely get involved through them as well. If, you know, knocking doors may not be your thing. Um, you can also be educated and then in turn educate everybody else. So um, social media is also really important. So make sure to like and follow and, and share all of the candidates posts. And um, I think that's kind of it. Yes. I mean, like you said, like th this is the threat of a bad example for everyone, right? Yeah. Because it, 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 it's kind of narrowing the worlds of each and every single student in the school district by restricting what they can read about, what they can learn about, what they can actually discuss and debate in the classroom. And then on, on, a, on a larger level, you know, there's the threat of the bad example of Central Bucks School District, you know, because um, just last month in June, it was reported that there was a school bit school district in uh, Ludlow, Massachusetts, that actually copy and pasted, sent, you know, a right-wing school board copy and pasted Central Bucks School District's library policy in order to make it easier for one parent to challenge and ban a book for every single student in their district rather than just restricting it for their own, if they even have a student in the district, right. which, which we often know is not the case. Um, Diana, thanks again for coming on today. Uh, thanks for your tireless work um, and organizing and writing um, and you know social media reporting that you do. Um, and I hope you'll come back on again in the fall as we get closer to the election. Thanks, Cyril. Thank you for everything you're doing too. Appreciate your work. This has been The Signal, a podcast by the Bucks County Beacon. I'm Cyril McGlego, Editor-in-Chief and Host. For more progressive news, analysis, and opinion from Bucks County and beyond, go to www.buckscountybeacon.com. The Signal is produced by Kevin Mahoney of Rating Chicken Media. Intro-outro music by Moff et Tula.
featuring Cartas a Felice, used with permission.